Israel actually until 1990 when I came to Johannesburg. And then I went to Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second panel of Living Room, the 154 Forum. I'm very happy to welcome Aruna D'Souza, Lawrence Lemoana, and Derek Adams for a panel which we have titled Collage, Color, and Complicating Blackness. And uh, I will, Aruna will lead the discussion. I will just introduce her briefly so she doesn't have to do that as well. She is an art writer. And you can ask her later what that means exactly. It's a very specific thing to be. And she writes about modern and contemporary art. She also writes about intersectional feminisms and other forms of politics and how museums shape our views of each other and the world. And that's in part the, the subject of her book, which, is, which has just come out, which is coming out. I mean, the official publication date is May 22, but I think it's already in certain bookstores at the Whitney Museum at Freeze, if you go to Freeze, but don't go to Freeze, it's better here. And, <laughs> and, and in other places, the book is called White Walling, Art, Race, and Protest in Three Acts. It's just out with Badlands uh, Unlimited. It's right here on the table if you want to have a look a little later. And it's a, a kind of a study of three moments in recent histories of, of um, race and museums uh, and exhibitions, let's say. Um, uh, Aruna writes uh, in, for various publications, but more, uh, f most frequently maybe for fourcolumns.org, uh, for which she is, I believe, a contributing editor. Um, and I really recommend uh, reading her uh, reviews and columns and writings on there, always very illuminating. She was also a student and a friend of the late uh, and extraordinary Linda Nocklin, and she is the editor of the forthcoming volume, Making It Modern, a Linda Nocklin reader, which will come out with Thames and Hudson. With that, I will uh, leave the floor to her for the panel. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so I, I feel a little bad that I got this very fulsome um, introduction when I am going to let um, these two extraordinary artists talk about introduce their, themselves and their own work. Um, but um, I'm so pleased to uh, have this opportunity and thank Omar and his um, collaborators for inviting me um, because uh, not only is it, is it, you know, a terrific um, program, but uh, the, the art that we're talking about today is it really um, strikes a lot of nerves with me. Um, and so I think I'm going to start by asking Lawrence to say a few words about his work. Derek will say a few words about his, and then we'll go into some um, conversation around themes of, um, of, you know, of color, of textile, of uh, questions of blackness, questions of, um, you know, U.S. versus um, South African uh, cultural contexts, gender, and so on. So, Lawrence, please start. Cool. Um, can you all hear me? No? So, can you hear me now? Oh, great, great. Um, so, uh, let's have a look. How do we... Ah, okay. <laughs> Um, so I thought I should uh, kind of introduce myself uh, and put a context to 
who this person is uh, uh, as an artist, as, an, as a, a creator. So I'm an artist, I'm uh, kind of operating in South Africa, in Johannesburg, and I'm a, I'm a lecturer, an art, a visual arts lecturer at uh, UNISA, which is the University of South Africa. Um, and yeah, so that's my dual kind of um, element. So uh, just to begin, this is how I began um, as an artist. So to put it in context, um, uh, I'm a black male born in the 80s, um, and that meant that um, I got the last kind of uh, elements of apartheid uh, in South Africa, and uh, was one of the kind of first generation or second generation of young people to enter the other, the white schools in South Africa because education was divided according to race and space and so on. So I dealt a lot uh, in my previous body of work in my undergrad with masculinity because rugby was a, a, a conduit in which to explore my masculinity and my blackness was part of that. So I created this um, body of work that dealt with that, with those notions, the multiplicity, the duality, and uh, the idea of, of, a, of a feminized kind of masculine. Um, and uh, I used um, uh, Photoshop to collage the image. So this is uh, another way I kind of, kind of operate within collage. Um, and then I also did these embroideries. This was uh, called Players of Color. And the title is linked to, um, so in my former life, I was a professional rugby player. And um, so going through trials, um, uh, they would select teams and then they would have like a asterisk next to some person's, uh, some art, uh, uh, rugby players' names. And they all happened to be black. And I asked my coach, why is a stars next to my name? And they said, oh, uh, because they, the new uh, system says you need to have so many players of color, which means the white players were not, they didn't have any color, but the people of color were the ones being selected, which made me um, question um, the politicization of my ability to play the sport and so on. Um, so yeah, so the, the the embroidery it's an embroidery work and it's uh, in, done in like a very kind of common uh, uh, fabric, uh, and then the border or the frame is is is, is uh, the South African Springbok team colours. So they wear green and gold. Um, um, that's another version. Um, so this work is called a discussion, and of course. Of course, it references the Last Supper image of um, um, Michelangelo, and um, uh, I was working a lot with the notion of like uh, uh, collaging uh, using digital media um, and playing with elements like scale, for example. Like the table is actually a fake table; it's actually about thirty centimeters um, uh, small, and uh, and uh, I was kind of creating this like hyper masculine but also hyper feminine kind of role so I was, I, was, I, was, I was kind of challenging my masculinity within a feminine kind of like element so it's, it's the embodiment is feminine and the process or the, the embodiment is male but the processes are, are feminized in a way so it was a uh, one of the kind of explorations there and then um, there was a 
a character called uh, Jacob Zuma who came into the scene in the uh, <laughs> character. That's character, a great yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, he kind of like played a, a, a significant role in in the country in that. Um, he was loved by the media in the beginning because he was a populist. He was a, a authentic African. He was a um, and and the, and the media spoke beautifully about him, like glowing reviews. He was a, a charming and all that. And then eventually, that whole thing kind of changed at some point. But um, so uh, using Photoshop, I, I I got a I got I got uh, images from the net, and one of them is is, is, is that guy uh, who was a supporter during Jacob Zuma's rape trial, and he was wearing the T-shirt that is 100%. He's 100% Zulu boy. Um, which is kind of linking to tribalism and the fact of being kind of um, linked to this uh, group of people. And uh, uh, so uh, in my work, I'm very much aware that I'm the subject of my work, even though I'm, I'm, I'm working within these kind of universal subjects. So I, I usually either use a, a model or uh, if I'm the, the figure, I would cover myself. So this pink figure is like my metrosexual non-male male kind of character and he's always protecting his groin because uh, that's where manhood lies in kind of contemporary kind of spaces so it was kind of collaging uh, performance and putting the things together and the back of that is is the kind of headlines that, that are found in South Africa the star and I was like kind of working with making these like uh, elusive links between language and, and 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 stuff so I noticed that like newspapers in South Africa always have some kind of celestial element either the sun or the the um, the, uh, the the Daily Sun or the Star. So I was kind of looking at 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 these kind of red top newspapers as a as a form of uh, uh, influence and, and stuff. Um, and then um, I started collaging these, um, um, looking at the format of these and kind of using these fabrics that are called Njita. The Njita uh, are used by Sangomas, diviners um, um, in South Africa to kind of uh, connect with the spiritual world and so on. So people have dual religions usually. Um, as Fanon said, like they are Christians during the day and they're heathens in the night. So you perform... Um, uh, th this kind of uh, uh, duality. So um, for me, these kind of ambiguous kind of ideas of identity become quite important. Um, so as you notice, like I, I, I work with with um, with sport. I work with religion. I work with these kind of like um, formations of of identity in a way. And this work is called uh, the. It's called the uh, newsmaker of the year. Um, and this was also done like in 2008, and uh, it was uh, focusing on Jacob Zuma as a as a as a figure that was being talked about by all the media companies in South Africa. And so I got a, a an image uh, from the newspaper, scanned it, and then reproduced it in fabric, and it became like this kind of animation. But what I loved was the pose, um, the kind of political pose of of of, of um, protest or uh, amandla. Um, and, and the fact that he's standing on one leg kind of kind of speaks of this kind of discomfort or, or comfort, um, and yeah, so it's about collaging these. Uh, the, fa the, the 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 fabric in the background is called the palu, also a significant fabric in in, in South Africa in terms of being used by sangomas and diviners. 
Um, I've started designing my own kangas. So these are the kind of latest works, um, which kind of uh, work with uh, 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 idioms. So this one here um, is called Ilifa Lizituta Lizluangabatlanganipileo, which means um, the, 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 the wealth or the inheritance of fools will be spent by the wise. And um, uh, the, 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 the green kanga is from the ANC uh, fabric. So the ANC have created their own kind of kangas. So these are kind of more political and more kind of lo uh, localized kind of uh, versions of the, of the kanga. And these are much bigger. Um, this is uh, in, in, in Sutu. So the, the previous one was in um, Zulu. This one is in Sutu, and it's it's more or less means the same thing, but um, the the nuance is, is is quite different. So ditoto kilifala babushali means that the the um, the inheritance of 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 uh, of fools uh, or uh, um, no, it means uh, fools are the stepping stones uh, of the wise, and it's it's a uh, <laughs> and <laughs> so it it kind of speaks to kind of the the kind of politics of South Africa and 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 and, and so on. And so I started using Jacob Zuma as, as uh, at least the pattern of Jacob Zuma as the background um, as part of the patterns uh, to mimic the the Njeti uh, or, the, or the, the 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 red one that you just saw earlier on. So it, it it looking at these kind of patterns as a as a as a kind of reference. Um, yeah, I think. And then this is my last image. This is uh, from. Um, um, uh, a song by uh, um, Fela Kuti, um, where he talks about democracy, and and I think it it he, I think he sang this like 50 years ago, and and I think in terms of what it reflects now uh, um, is quite important. I, I, so so politics kind of bring these kind of elements that are put into the background into the fore, and yeah, like using kind of pidgin English or broken English to kind of uh, demonstrate uh, his views. Yeah. So very subversive kind of work. Thank you, Lawrence. Dirt. Um, <clears throat> hello, everyone. <laughs> um, I would like to say that to describe the work, I would consider my practice overall as being um, a high five or a fist bump, or a nod to the fact and folklore and fantasy of the black vernacular. Um, and the relationship that myself and people like me have with the notion of Africanness and Americanness all together, and all of its glories and contradictions. Um, a lot of things I think about within my work are, are mostly things that are attached to the idea of what would you create without the idea of colonialism as a black artist. And the power of colonialism um, was based on the ability to ignore other cultures in the fact of production. Um, one of the things that really stuck out to me from undergrad <clears throat> is some of the tactics that were used in colonialism within visual culture to dominate um, society. And it was never, and some things were never done violently, but the things that could really affect you are to um, negate culture 
And so as an African-American, I became more interested in what I wanted to see in the art world versus the things that I thought were problematic in the art world. So with that in mind, I started to think about the things I wanted to see and how I want to talk about history and how I wanted to organize my thoughts through visual culture to uh, propel certain elements of relationships that I feel are very um, embedded within um, the Africans who were extracted from the continent that I think are still running through our veins in the way that we practice daily life. And when you travel as an African-American or as an African from the diaspora, you start to see the commonalities of those things uh, with these groups have, who have not even been in contact with each other. And I think that's really interesting. And so with that in mind, I felt really strongly about the freedom to produce creative objects and, and to put them in the world in a way that they are unapologetic, but also um, a tool for younger generations to look at as an um, option from the other images that are also in the world that I think are necessary. But I think that I feel my job is to kind of balance image, imagery from the images that you are made to see versus the images that you would love to see of yourself and things that relate to yourself. So this particular um, body of work, I consider myself a multidisciplinary artist. I work, make photo, performance, video, everything. And it's really, I think about in my studio when I'm making work, I'm not as focused on the material as I am on the best way to speak through the material. And sometimes it may be a photo or it may be a series of photos or a series of collages and things like that. But I think the conversation in my work is pretty apparent of my interests and what I'm trying to convey through my uh, experience um, as an artist and as a person um, moving through um, time. So this particular piece um, is based on an ongoing series called Welcome to Monument City. And these are a series of photos I started in 2009 where I incorporated my body <clears throat> into photo photographic works performatively to talk about history and to talk about people who build things and people who created spaces for other people to walk through and what is my actual foundation as a person? Who do I look to when I'm thinking about my ideas and who am I in conversation with? And so this particular work is kind of homage to artists that I'm in contact with and things that I think are um, not apparent to most people, but very apparent to me. And so this particular piece is called Platform. Elevated Platform, actually. Um, and um, in this structure, um, the foundation, which is kind of aligned to represent um, stairs or entranceway, are books that I was, you know, that I collect, but also books of artists. For instance, you can see a David Hammond's LA Object book. There's also an Ed Clark book there. Um, um, some references to uh, how I think about them within the stack of books with architecture and you and black temples, these great temples, things that I think are really important. Um, most of my work, I, I, I think, I would love for it to, to think that it operates more on a existential level um, where people are aware of the history of things, visual things, visual culture. They see things and they they assume what they mean. 
And as a visual, you know, as an artist, I like to, to assemble things based on what I think people understand through looking at certain signs and symbols, um, mainly rooted in consumerism. Most of my things that I use have some kind of ties to consumerism in some ways. If it's a pattern or a book or these um, pillars that are used to make cakes or flip-flops, I try to use things that have a history that people identify with and try to think about them in the most duplicitous manner um, to get what I want from that and to also extend those ideas into an experience for the viewer. This piece, Crossroads, is actually a family portrait. This is me and my nephew, Lawrence Bernie. He was actually a really um, well-known writer, for uh, music writer for Vice magazine, um, Noisy. Um, and this, this is, for me, um, I try to start with the most simplistic ideas of trying to convey a sense of humanness, the way that I think about humanness as a person and my experiences through that and also how you, can you capture this experience of, uh, of humanity through a traditional um, process, which is uh, you know, a portrait, um, but also talk about the figure and talk about landscape and talk about culture and talk about fashion and talk about all these things that I think are very reflective when you talk about the human experience. So in this photograph, it's really more of a, me and my nephew in, in the landscape, in the urban landscape. This is um, a still from my exhibition documentation at MAD, Museum of Art and Design, that's currently up until August 12th, based on <clears throat> a very interesting person, <clears throat> Victor Hugo Green, a Harlem, Harlemite um, postal worker, African-American, um, who decided upon himself to create, compile information to, to allow black travelers to travel safe from north to south um, starting from 1936. At a time, starting from the segregation era, Mr. Green felt that it was imperative for, as a network, to compile information of businesses that wanted to welcome black travelers, primarily all black businesses, but there were a few non-black businesses that also acknowledged that black people are consumers and they're valuable customers. And Mr. Green, on his own, like he was a postal worker, he wasn't like a publisher or anything like that, he just decided that it, it had to be done. And so it was easy for him to compile this information because the, the Postal Workers Union was also segregated. And once a year when he met with other postal workers, they brought information they compiled from their travels around the country. Wow. So the, the first publication was called the, the, Motor, the Motorist Negro Guide, but then it became so popular that it turned into a traveler's guide. And then it became a tourist guide because what he found as he matured and he retired as a postal worker and, and took on this as a full-time job and started touring, touring people around the country, around the world, um, starting just from this North and South experience. So the exhibition at MAD is really um, speaking on the joyous experience of someone like him who's an activist who didn't probably consider himself an activist took upon himself to do. And so to me, this exhibition is a celebration of Mr. Mr. Green um, and also giving some insight into the experiences of that time. This is a, a wallpaper from the actual pub the, the, um, publication blown up in the museum. These structures on, on the road are um, representatives of, the, of, I guess, passengers or 
travelers on the road and one of the histories behind this particular hat in this country, um, this particular flat cap was the original name of it, then turning to the driver's cap and then the snap cap was a hat that was worn mostly by working class people of every race um, and considered a driver's man cap or a chauffeur or a bus driver cap. In the time of segregation and even after, <clears throat> a lot of black Americans who were driving long distances would wear this hat and have their families sit in the back seat of the car to appear as though they were chauffeurs or people driving people in order to avoid being stopped. Because if people saw them driving a nice car and it was, you know, their families in front, people would think that why this why do these people have a nice car if the driver was in the front who was a husband or father or whatever, brother, had a driver's cap on, people would think of them as being a chauffeur. So a lot of times people wouldn't mess with them. So that's one of the reasons why this, these hats exist within this installation. This is another component of the exhibition. It's called Beacon, um, with these small structures in the, in the museum that act as kind of like a place of refuge, which is also a very important part of the history behind the Green Book. A lot of places um, featured in the Green Book were also places that were called sundown towns. And sundown towns were places that were not by law, but people, citizens of those cities, would put additional signs in the entrance of the city saying, for blacks, Mexicans, whatever, this is a sundown town, and at the end of the night, when the sun goes down, you better not be here. So a lot of the businesses, including like the most popular place of refuge, was a funeral home. And driver, dri travelers who traveled through cities that had these sundown um, practices would be able to stop at a funeral home to stay. They would have to hide in the funeral home until the daytime if you were just traveling through a city before they started making overpass highways. Um, you would have to find a place of refuge and the funeral parlors are one of the places that you can stop. Yeah. This is going more into some of my uh, recent work, uh, which, is, which is something that I, you know, I, I continue to use um, variations of uh, textiles into my work. Um, and I love to mix a lot of um, assemblages of, uh, of um, like Western prints, things dealing with like the history of like gingham and, um, and, and other patterns um, that represent um, Scotland or England, those things that most people never think of as being political or representing a political group or cultural group. Because of colonialism, we don't look at that. When we wear African patterns, the African fabrics, we think of it very politically when people wear those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting that those two things have very different responses from people by looking at them in a way that some people even within these cultures don't even want to wear these things because they think that they represent something that's grander than they are. When all actuality is part of a cultural structure, it's a decorative structure and it has history behind them as much as gingham has in other patterns. So in my work, I try to juxtapose two different types of uh, um, structures together to talk about the relationship to being an African-American and also being a part of these two very um, particular cultures, not always by, um, by choice, but by lineage. So um, that's the origin between these works that have this kind of juxtaposition between like Western and also African patterns. That's the fantastical nature, I think, of, 
of occupying the space that we occupy is that most, most information that we compile is based on a very fragmented structure of fact, folklore, and fantasy. This is another from the series, um, Figures in the Urban Landscape. I decided with this exhibition to create these, these portraits in landscapes that kind of occupied the same plane in some ways. And even looking at these particular pieces, I was really interested in the idea of the figure being on both sides of, of the road. You know, this figure could be looking inside somewhere or looking outside, as well as going places. I, my joke for these works is like, these, these uh, subjects are going places. If you see the cars on that, it's like a joke I say all the time. But, um, but um, that was what I was thinking about when I was making the work. I was thinking about how can you convey this, this experience of, of uh, duality within the artwork, that you can talk about experiences you can't even explain through visual culture. You know, how can you talk about being reflective and, and being emotional and being joyous and being um, in a place of, um, um, I guess, that's defined in some ways, but not. And so these particular words kind of came out of the idea of trying to talk about those things in a way that the viewer can experience it without me giving you like all of the information about it. This is um, from a series um, called Live and in Color. And what I've noticed when I first started making this particular series is the depiction of African-Americans on TV and how those particular images of us on TV has really influenced the way people think about us and think about our relationship to reality or their relationship to reality as it represents who we are and how these things to me are always a love and hate relationship because as a, as a person, I also enjoy being entertained by media, but also we're faced with a very complicated thing, not just me as an African-American, but most people of color is watching a show that you know is not for you. It's not, even in fantasy, colonialism is put into shows. <laughs> Like, like Game of Thrones, <laughs> who you might like until you see the second season and you see the Dragon Queen is a blonde girl who's not even blonde. She has a wig on and everyone who worships her is brown. <clears throat> it's going to be a show about fantasy <clears throat> and it's still racist. <clears throat> <clears throat> so you start thinking about those things as, as a person who has a certain <clears throat> understanding of reality that even fantasy finds a way to construct certain stereotypes. And to me, that's problematic. But as a black person... You have to deal with that on a constant basis. You have to negotiate what you want to watch, where you want to go, how, how those things are going to influence you and influence people around you. God forbid if you have kids. <coughs> so those things are very important to think about as a visual artist. <coughs> what do you want to put out in the world? So these series of works that's called Live and in Color <coughs> are based on stills that I started to capture from online on YouTube and different things of shows from the 70s, 80s, um, 90s until today, where there are very hyper activities of black expression. So to get these images, I basically went on shows that I thought were interesting and that I thought were problematic, and I just freeze-framed each shot and then painted them over again. 
and I really accentuated the over-exaggeratedness of the figures in a way that I felt would really represent the way that I am influenced by these images and the way that I wanted to influence people about the power of these images. And that's why, you know, this particular piece is called Urban Vernacular, and it's basically, if you understand this language, it's really funny, because it's two different things. It's, to, it's, 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 it's saying two totally different things, but the words are changed around. And I think that uh, goes across all of the continent attached to um, Africa and black people. <clears throat> and I think that's really interesting, you know? Um, these are two things where people are talking um, to each other. And this is something that a lot of uh, women might say when they're on the phone with their girlfriend. When the person's being really funny, they might say, girl, bye. <laughs> or bye, girl. You know, but it's two different, very different things that also are somehow related to each other. And it's just in English, but it's done in so many different ways and so many different cultures relating to that. Derek? I'm going to run through everything. I'm run. Yeah, is yeah. It, is it yeah. okay? Because I want to jump in, right? Yeah, yeah. Go through. yeah, yeah we yeah. talk about this all, all night. <laughs> I, I wanted to, because, you know, when you were actually back on the television screen one, um, I saw that show at CAM um, when it was up, and, and I, was, I really loved the work. But hearing you talk about it now and seeing it in relation to Lawrence's work, one of the things that strikes me is the way in which color that that in this work and in Lawrence's early or the the first of the um fabric works that one of the things you're doing is 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 complicating the idea of skin right by overlaying it with a much more complex coloristically complex or in your case you know entirely substituting right these the this sort of tunnel relationship it makes me think you know, in a superficial way of what Amy Sherald was doing with the um, Michelle Obama portrait and her idea of grisaille, but it it also, it seems to me to open up a, a whole lot of possibilities in terms of um, thinking through blackness, and I wonder if each of you could comment on that. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's quite interesting because um, I think I'm also one of those people that like like to... Um, look at the kind of like foundations of, of images, and um, and one of the things that I've, that I've struggled with, especially in popular culture, is is how um, uh, images of, of 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 black figures or or, fig or characters in black figures are always a silhouette. Um, there's no kind of backstory to the character. Um, so one of the one of the, the kind of influences to this was um, uh, I watched Fences. And I loved the, the kind of uh, complexity of that of that movie. Uh, so I saw the movie first, and and then I realized that there's a there's a there's a backstory to the production in that before it was a movie, it was a play, and before it was a play, it was a book. And then the 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 character, the main character, um, has got such a beautiful backstory in that um, you, you he's a he's a like he's he's an unlikable character but there's a build up to what he is and the way that like it's done is is beautiful and 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 the fact that like it's shot like um like a like a like a stage play was 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 it was one of those like aha moments for me um but um color is is something that that's that that like plays a lot um in in our 
kind of every day. Like, for example, looking at how, for example, in South Africa, we have uh, uh, magazine racks um, that, uh, or beauty uh, uh, magazines, but there's always a specificity about who is on the cover of Glam magazine or, you know, so, so, so for me, like, I, I look at that and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I utilize that kind of um, real elements and, and, and what I do is try to kind of like be subversive about it. And so that's why um, I, I displace meaning in, in what I do. So I displace it in, 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 in its use, but also in, in terms of adorning it, like, like the fact that of, uh, you know, the, the, the rugby player or the, or the non-masculine uh, uh, masculine is adorned in pink, mm -hmm. which also has like a, a history, but the, it's a history that's been, um, uh, how do you call it, um, reproduced so many times that we even forgot the essence of where that thing comes from. Um, it's interesting in in India in North India especially pink is the is a highly masculine color. Absolutely, and yeah. it's it, yeah. and it's that's managed to persist despite Absolutely. the colonial right Absolutely. and and yeah. so it's it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Derek, uh, I mean for me um, within this particular series, it was really based on the calibrations of the color bar, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. that was the restriction I gave myself for making these works that the figures had to be constructed using the colors that are used to calibrate your screen, but also um, juxtaposing those things within the tone of, uh, of browns. And, um, and so the figures are kind of like camouflaged within the environment that they're in. Um, and also by doing so, I was interested in thinking about trying to merge those two things together. Because I, I really think that, you know, we rationalize things and, and we also extract things based on our interests. But I think that the way that we embrace visual culture is all at one time. Like mm -hmm. everything is just saturated. Mm -hmm. And the things that we pull out of things we see are based on our experience with these things. Mm -hmm. And so the things that we even see on television or things we see in real life are all comprised of these types of calibrations of color and how these calibrations reflect certain levels of cultural perspective and also cultural um, 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 legacy, mm. you know? And some of these things are not even done um, planned. It has to do with this, the, the, the environment that you're in mm -hmm. and the things that are place, values placed onto. And so I was really interested with this series just as first as, a, as an artist trying to think about um, composing images in a way that was um, strong enough and, and familiar enough even through the materiality of the image mm -hmm. that would be embraced by the viewer without them even knowing what the context is. Yeah, I would think about that. Like television does that. You like, know, you know yeah. media does that. You, you know, I find, I mean, for me, like I, I, I'm all, so there's a, there's a term that says um, consciousness is violent. It's not something that like just, you know, waltzes in and and uh, and, and and so constantly I'm, I'm I'm always feeling like I'm I'm violated, um, and and what I mean by that is that is that um, so there's a, there's a documentary called the the history of uh, color in uh, gold blue and white, and it focuses on these three colors in terms of history and so on, and and uh, there's a there's a there's a guy called uh, Winkelmann 
who basically kind of like worked really hard to make white the color of purity, yeah. cleanliness, and so on. And 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 I feel like uh, as as an artist, I've got a responsibility to kind of um, work as hard to kind of push these alternative narratives or alter alternative experiences in terms of how we engage with everyday life uh, and and not to only just accept the the kind of inherent qualities that are existing in in what we use but also to kind of transform them um for our benefit or yeah. uh yeah. Yeah, i definitely believe that you know it's really exciting to you know know this history mm -hmm. and be able to build on top of it yeah you know yeah. um much like um the churches and other places built on temples mm. and vice versa. Mm. Like, I think it's more constructive to build on top of something than to, than to tear it down mm. and start from scratch. Well, it, and, it's, and it's a sort of fascinating thing. I know that in a sort of, you know, in a post-colonial context that a lot of, there's, there's often a kind of sort of romanticism about going back to a pre-colonial, yeah. like an authentic yeah. pre-colonial originary kind of moment. Absolutely. And it's like, well, no, because, you know, even within the violence of colonialism, those things become a part, right? Like, yeah. you know, those yeah. things become, whether it's a religion, I mean, you know, like the way Catholicism or something spread throughout right the yes. the world as mm. the in fact the avant-garde of a lot of mm. you know colonial activity mm. Mm. It, those things you know we ingest them and we and and so that there's a way in which to to get rid of it means to get rid of parts of ourselves Absolutely. instead of building yeah. on it and yeah. building something that sort of exploits it mm. i what you know so when when we were emailing about all of this i i emailed um, and I said to Derek that the sanctuary um, show at MAD was, I, that I loved that show so much I wanted to marry it because I really like I had this amazing um, experience in the galleries, partly because there were so many different elements and partly because um, of um, the guard who was in um, the the show who felt, I was I was there with a, uh, with a friend and she came up to us as we were looking at things and just started chatting and said she was hoping that Derek would give her uh, one of the flat caps before <laughs> I know she is I know exactly but she was but but it was um there was a way in which there was a kind of um intimacy produced in that space that allowed for that um that level of comfort and for you know for us to have a conversation that I think was so um I've worked in a lot of museums and I've worked with a lot of um you know museum staff and I've always um found the people who are in the galleries to be some of the most canny readers of art in yeah. all of museums and they are often people of color right and 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 um, so this was, you know, so I loved that the exhibition got her so excited that she was kind of, you know, sort of playing that role. But, you know, the other thing that really struck me about that show is that it was all about um, people and yet it had no people in it. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was the, the that, 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 that like life experience was constantly evoked without people in it. And I think a lot of the way that that happened was through 
these textiles through the idea of movement and all of those things and like bodies in motion. Um, and so I, I sort of, you know, cause so much of your work actually literally evokes the body, right? And, but then this really didn't. And I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Well, um, one thing that I really wanted to, well, looking before I even made the work and I was thinking about what um, mood or experience I wanted to convey through the, the process of making the work and for the viewer to kind of take from it. And so in the beginning of, before I even started making the works, I was looking at a lot of Jacob Lawrence migration series paintings. And, um, and I've been really involved in like a lot of exhibitions and talking about Jacob Lawrence a lot. He's one of the reasons why I came to New York because he, he taught at Pratt and I um, later found out he lived in Brooklyn, which I didn't know at first. Um, and so I was really interested in this, the movement of the migration paintings and the figures who were captured in the paintings um, and just their exaggerated movement and how looking at those works, I really got a really good sense of um, composition, you know, removing beyond, moving beyond the body itself, but just the artist's hand and the way that he arranged these figures within these landscapes from memory or whatever. Um, and so that was a really important um, foundation for making the work. And so that kind of gave me more incentive to kind of like pull the figures out of the work and to represent elements within that structure in my work to make the viewer become the figures moving through the space versus the paintings, which are usually a depiction of life. Yeah. And I wanted the people to be the life of it. I find that really, really interesting because um, I think there's this kind of term that says that uh, uh, objects have biographies, and 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 for me that 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 is quite uh, something that I don't take very lightly because I think I think um, the, the like we have objects, we make things, and so on. And I had a funny kind of encounter where um, um, I was I was moving my uh, the, the 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 Last Supper image or the discussion. And I I hadn't wrapped it properly and and so on and I was like uh, on the taxi moving from one place to the next, and uh, a curious observer uh, in in the taxi who was not educated in art or anything like that looked at the work and uh, and kind of said, "Can I have a closer look?" And um, um, he opened it and, and and looked at it and said, "Wow, um, I always knew this. Jesus is black." <laughs> and so what was what was it? and 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 like the, and so so it became an evidence for him and i think for me that that, that it became that, an evidence for him, for him that's yeah what. yeah and, and and for me that that is that is that is the the kind of uh uh, uh the other important kind of part of 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 uh uh, kind of creating kind of elements to be aware that that um, even though we make things for for ourselves, the the the, the audience is unpredictable, and the audience will will, will kind of uh, assimilate their narrative into what what they see. So for me, this kind of managing and tweaking and adjusting um, elements is 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 part and parcel of that. Um, uh, not a kind of like a a um, uh, vomiting out of, of, of ideas, but like engaging with the, the outside world um, sure. and, and so on, yeah. Well, you know, just to go back to this question of the body or its absence, mm -hmm. because, you know, so in, in Sanctuary, it's very 
evoked, right, constantly through this this idea of mobility and, and as you say, a kind of movement of the of the viewer and then the compositional references to, to Jacob Lawrence and stuff like that. In in your textile works, I mean, are those um, cloths are are, are can we are rotate? Can we rotate the? Um... Sorry, yeah. Can is there a way to go back to Lawrence's? Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Derek. That's a good point. Okay. Um, in those in those textile works, um, they're the they're they're used as wrappings, wrappings right? Yeah. Of yeah. bodily wrappings, yeah. and so that and yeah. and can you talk about? I, I mean, this is the this is such an interesting part of it. Can you talk about the the Zuma? Um, okay. Okay. Uh, so so, so um, the uh, can I have the, the, the remote? Um, so. As I, as I said, um, uh, these uh, fabrics, um, and, and you can see some of them uh, down there, um, the red, black, and white fabrics are called uh, Njita, and uh, they are kind of uh, sold at uh, Indian bazaars, and which is also another interesting kind of idea of, of, uh, of uh, um, um, culture. And um, so in South Africa, we don't produce uh, fabrics. Um, we don't produce, we don't manufacture them. They're not in our culture, uh, or they don't have a, a history in, in, uh, in, our, in our culture. But they, they've been uh, appropriated um, for kind of religious purposes. And the link is because is the is the is the color scheme. So the red, black, and white has got a, a, a link uh, to 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 kind of uh, uh, um, religious kind of uh, um, uh, symbolism. Um, but the the kanga became uh, a, a prominent object. Um, in the in the uh, in 1998, when our former president uh, Jacob Zuma uh, was being tried for for rape, and he uh, kind of um, um, uh, during the trial he was asked or interviewed and asked why why did you do it, and he said that uh, the, the the she was wearing a kanga, and um, as a Zulu man he had the the, the duty to satisfy her. And um, and or obliged. That's that's kind of like the word that he used. And um, but what he was doing, he was using a, a a a narrative of the kanga that exists in 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 Central Africa, in 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 Kenya, where kangas are indeed used as a as a form of communication. So he he displaced and appropriated a narrative to, to kind of suit to suit his yeah, yeah yeah yeah. And so for me, I think I think that kind of speaks to this notion of 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 um, the nomadic nature of, of, of work um, that like for me I, 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 I try to kind of like move but like uh, carry as much as I can but only what I need and so that's why I think I, I, I always use a kind of strict palette uh, a, a strict diet of, 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 of ingredients so that I, I kind of uh, uh, feed the work so so it's always about that so and then the 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 njitas the red uh, the the red black and white background and then the palu is also the blue one is also like uh, kind of quite religious and 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 they they used kind of like for example if you consult with the sangoma or if you consult with your ancestors um you're often told that you need to wrap it and then sleep on top of it um and it it speaks to the kind of uh cosmology of 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 of, of uh, sub-saharan uh, africa where we see ancestry not up there but as down below so our ancestors are, are always looked down so um and that's that's kind of like the the the, the kind of other meanings of of, of the work you know? okay. yeah. so as we were um sort of thinking about this panel 
it, I don't know why it never occurred to me before that text and textile start with the same word. Um, and I, and uh, there's, you know, there's textile, the word text um, comes from uh, a root that means to weave, obviously. And, um, and that's because apparently, you know, it, it refers both to a conceptual idea of text as a kind of weaving of uh, elements, but also the fact that, you know, early, early paper was um, often in the West, at least was fabric based, right? It was rag paper. Um, so, but it, it occurred to me as I was looking at this that both of you use text um, in a lot of different ways in, in your work. Um, and here, this, this piece is a, is a really great example because, you know, you've got um, Achebe's um, title, you've got the, the, the play on the title of the, of the tabloid, right? The Sun, except this is the manly S-O-N. And, and you're constantly using text like that, including the democracy one. And Derek, you're also deploying text a lot, not just in the green book, uh, the, the travel guide, but other ways as in the, the, the two women with the girl by and by girl. So I, I'm wondering if you could just talk about how you think about text in relation to these sort of both collage practices, but specifically in terms of, you know, how you're thinking of, of color and, and textile and everything like that. Um, well, when I do incorporate text in my work, I'm always thinking about it as an offering to the viewer and a way of um, entry pointing to the works. Some things I, I make, I prefer them to have a little bit more ambiguousness to the engagement of the work. But certain things that I think um, really promotes this form of literacy with the image, I'll figure out how to way how to that's necessary to incorporate some type of text or text as the image that um, again always being very mindful of the way that people see and the way that people engage and being able to for me negotiate um, how much I want to offer in this exchange and this when text kind of comes plays a part. But it's usually in a way that it focuses on, again, the material. If it's a, you know about television, which incorporates text on some of the screens, or um, the Green Book, which is a publication on text. Mm -hmm. So I try to create works that um, operate in the way that it was additionally used to operate, but try to expand upon it with things that are coupled around it or assembled with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not just um, what you're reading, but the reading part becomes an extra element like it would be if you're making a painting or, sure. you know, like canvas or, mm -hmm. you know, so I think like text could be like another mm -hmm. ingredient, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. The, 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 the show, the Mad Show. What was inter what was interesting is that the the text really was only on that one wall, right? Was the actual reprint of pages from the book, which I mean, what a read! I mean, so fascinating, right? To look at that and to see the advertising and everything like that. But but what was so funny is that 
everything seems so textual in a certain sense, both textural and textual, right? Um, because you know there was there was such a there was such a strong sense of these things, these objects, right? The yeah. the sanctuary houses, the cars with the hats, being um, sim symbols, right? De in in very elemental ways. So that was really fascinating. Um, Lawrence, do you want to jump yeah, in no, about that? I mean, I, th I think for me, the the kind of the the interesting part is is, is thinking about the the notion of reading into something. Um, and and I was thinking about how, for example, um, th that when you write something, um, it, uh, uh, you spell it out, which means you you cast a spell. And I was thinking about that kind of notion in, in, in the work. And, and so, so, so I kind of tried to utilize the kind of different types of uh, energies that are, that are presented. Um, so, so the spiritual kind of meets the kind of like clear graphic kind of responsibility of looking, but also the, the, the kind of reading into something that like is, is, is um, uh, pattern-like. So, so the idea that like you, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a multiplicity, it's a series of shapes that kind of become pattern-like. So, so, and, and if you, if you, if you, uh, uh, you can't read, you, you, can, you can still experience the, the kind of uh, uh, legible feeling that the, the thing kind of uh, presents to you. So, so for me, that, that is like how the, the, the writing also becomes uh, quite um, uh, uh, important. But I think for me, it's also about how um, writing is also about um, uh, uh, maintaining a, a uh, um, um, uh, ideas. And so, for example, um, I was looking at things fall apart, and that was the, um, uh, done in uh, 50 years after Chini Wachebe's "Things Fall Apart" was written. And um, it, but what, what what for me was important was that um, uh, it, it reflected the time that was going on in South Africa, where um, there was this angst in in, in the media, in the, in the public about things literally falling apart, and um, that the, the country was kind of. Um, and then and then and then if you if you go and research what uh, things fall apart is based on is is based on uh, Yeats uh, kind of um, uh, poem uh, uh, things fall apart and the center cannot hold that's the kind of extra so for me it's about kind of like this deep reading into kind of uh, things that like there's a multiplicity to kind of things which again speaks to the 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 objects biography which is layered and and it, it it's never just like a linear kind of process but a, a multi-layered explosion of information that that that, that I um, yeah. And it and it becomes formalized. I mean, Absolutely. it becomes part of the form because of the optical kind of Absolutely. play. Yeah. I mean, yeah. your your work is so much about a kind of. I mean, it's they're complicated surfaces, but the shapes and the color spaces are fairly like yeah. legible, yeah. right? Where this is and is I, and very, I think that yeah. people look at text in art as like a message. Mm. Mm. Like, I think that when people see text and art, they think that the artist is trying to make a direct connection to them, mm. like versus mm. more an abstract mm. um, presentation. Um, usually when you deal with, you know, where you insert text into things, people feel more engaged to decipher um, mm. what you're trying to talk about yeah. because they feel like it was something that is used to acknowledge who they are mm as viewers, and that you are interested in having a conversation with them mm -hmm. based on 
the terms and language that they understand. Yeah. You know, so I think yeah, yeah it becomes an yeah. invitation almost. I think I think like a like a a, a, a hook. Mm-hmm. Often where you you kind of drawn in by by familiarity and then something else kind of emerges as you as you uh, look at the thing further. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have a, another question about. Um, I don't know if I want to call it playfulness or um, use the word in relation to Zuma trickster. Mm-hmm. Um, or leisure, yeah. right? Yeah. That 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 seems to be a really um, strong theme for both of you, and you know that thing of going from television to travel and tourism to now um, to to swimming, yeah. right? Yeah. Bodies in swimming pools and stuff like that, which is part of your recent work yeah. Yeah. Um, for you, rugby, but also this figure of Zuma as the trickster of, you know, and, and a lot of punning going on. So do you, can you talk about the importance of, of that sort of playfulness, how, whatever you want to call it, but that, how that, what is important about that in relation to your explorations? Um, for me, um, I think the idea of this joy in general, um, as a black person yeah. is political. Yeah. Um, based on the the history of of who we are and how we are still here mm-hmm. um, in the world um, and that even within our own culture we have we have been taught not to have fun in certain aspects mm-hmm. not to relax not to look like you're relaxed in yeah. things that other people have the more of the pleasure of to, to uh, embrace mm-hmm. and I know it's a working class thing but it's you know, when you wrap that up, when you wrap that working class um, self-consciousness with race, mm-hmm. it becomes another even more um, complicated thing. Yeah. And to see a black figure at rest, you know, or a black figure not entertaining or just existing in a mo- more normal um, space, mm-hmm. to me, I think that's political. Yeah. But it could appear to... Was, it's, it may be political, but it also could be joyous and also a celebration. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when you think about those images within art, for me, it's a depiction of how I really exist yeah. versus the, the perspective that is imposed upon me. Yeah. Like I think that my work really reflects the conversations I have when colonialism is no longer mm-hmm. in the room, when people are at home just hanging out, like we don't, my, me and my friends, we don't like to talk about colonialism <laughs> at home. Like, you know what I'm saying? We don't, I mean, there's times where we have got had those conversations, but normally we'll just talk about like what we like and what we don't like and mm-hmm. things that we do, you know, and regardless of us being from very academic backgrounds, we're not consumed. Uh, about whiteness in our studios, my studio. I don't think about that when I'm making work. I think about what I want to see as an artist and also what I don't see when I'm making art. So I think that I live, regardless of the circumstances around me, in a joyous way because I know that from from my perspective and understanding the history of my being here in this place, I wasn't supposed to be here necessarily, you know? 
so there's a, I mean, there's kind of a couple of examples that I think uh, for me quite important that kind of responds to what you're saying is that um, um, the the idea of like um, uh, a self de self determined confident black person. Mm -hmm. it, can be problematic in that, uh, for example, in South Africa, we had um, um, what they call immorality laws where um, uh, lovers could not hold hands in public, kissing could not happen in public. Yeah. And, and it kind of spins off into culture and it becomes the norm. Um, uh, it becomes disrespectful for young couples to be kissing. It's, 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 it's that kind of thing. So, so I think for me, those are the kind of like uh, interesting kind of elements. But for, for example, I, I, I noticed that um, uh, I've, I, I had never seen a, a glowing um, um, black figure until I, a black female figure until I saw Jason's lyric. It's a, it's a uh, 2000s movies. And it was like, like for the first time I saw Jada Pinkett um, I think the scene was she was in a van and you were looking at her from a from a from a she was in the van and I think you're looking at the mirror and she was she she was glowing. There was a an inner glow yeah. that like like that was for me always preserved for for white females yeah. and for me that that was uh, quite interesting and and so that's kind of like how um, these ideas can kind of get become the norm and in, uh, like get 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 put into uh, our, our our culture. And then in terms of South Africa, uh, uh, entertainment um, um, uh, on television. So eight o'clock was the kind of like a drama time. So families would gather together and watch uh, a, a story and whatnot. Um, and most of those stories were basically kind of like, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, cautionary tales. Mm. So it, it will it'll, it'll feature a young man who uh, is, 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 has got too many girlfriends and it'll lead to disaster. Yeah. And, and, and so, so, so the, all, of it, all of it was kind of like, uh, kind of became like this kind of like uh, uh, a, a process of self-criticism. So, so, so expressing yourself became problematic. So you uh, police yourself mm -hmm. in, in a way. So for me, those are the kind of issues that I try to kind of bring into the work and 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 play with them and 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 somehow kind of repel them um, um, in in terms of expressing and and being um, uh, bold about uh, sure. about uh, stuff. Yeah. You know. Oh no! Go in. Yeah. No, no. I was saying even within within my show at Mad and other works that I do, some of the criticism. I mean, some of the things I get from my exhibitions are. Your work is so positive, huh? But I'm like, but you know, which is a compliment, but also the fact that um, that's unexpected within. I, Simone uh, yeah. Lee has talked about that as well yeah. in relation to her work, and yeah. I think a number of other people. I what what strikes me, Derek, about about your work and and others like Toyin's um, work and and and. Um, Simone's work and a number of other artists who are working right now is that to me you're really it's it's a very fubu kind of project I mean it, it's very it is I mean it's it's really assuming a black audience in a way that I think um, lots of non-black people aren't used to or, and even lots of black people yeah, aren't used exactly, to yeah, exactly, uh, aren't yeah. used to seeing right yeah. and that the rest of us kind of can can engage and and quite and and 
there are lots of ways in, right? You're not leaving anyone out or excluding anyone, but but that but that you're actually centering that audience in the work, which I think is is one is. I'm starting to see it more, yes. but it's still so unusual when you see it, right? Like it's still a unique thing. And, yeah. and that, in a way, that's, I think, part of where the joy comes in, yeah. right? Um, and I'm, I'm just wondering, Lawrence, because you're, the context in which you're working is really different. Yeah. But I mean, like, who is your audience? Who are you, who is, who are you thinking of when you're making the work? Um, I mean, there's a, there's a kind of, complexity in be, in being uh african black male artist in that in that you and, and you 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 kind of like uh uh and for me it's about kind of repelling these kind of like tags that you get given um and so and so the the notion of 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 the trickster is also like the the kind of uh embodiment that i that i try to kind of work with that like um i'm beyond uh making artifacts for the museum yeah. and, and and i try to kind of work with that with the institution to kind of uh uh create work um so so for me like a, there's a there's a kind of open-mindedness and open and, and and openness to engaging with with this work so 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 it's it's that's why for example i mean the majority of my work uh, is in english and and suddenly now I'm, I'm i'm utilizing much more localized terms and and so for then that i become a moving target like uh, why are you not use utilizing the the comfortable uh kind of like uh uh, elements so for me it's 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 a it's it's about kind of like um tra tra transcending uh each kind of like phase of being or transcending uh the these kind of like walls or containers and 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 not just repelling them but like like sometimes like putting them against each other um so for example as a as a as an artist i decided not to participate in the white cube um, so, for example, I've, I haven't had a solo show in a number of years, and I've, I've, I've just worked with art fairs, museums, and so on. And for me, it's it's kind of like trying to find another way of of working. So, the the producing is part and parcel of what the the kind of content is about, uh, in a way. So, uh, so I think more broadly and more kind of expensive about um, my messaging and and and, and so on. Yeah. I, I, you know, I saw you looking at your watch, and I have no idea what oh, no, time no, it is. And, and <laughs> I'm gonna keep in track. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. I, I was like, okay, I should take questions. Good, yeah. thank you. Um, so, if there are questions from the audience, we'd love to hear them. I could just sit here talking to you guys all afternoon. Yeah. So, <laughs> you can keep going. No, no. Well, if, wait. if there's anyone, don't. Uh, can you wait for a microphone, please? This is being recorded, so I think they want to. Are these uh, applique? How are they fab yes. applique? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So, so they they, they embroidered. So, um, so the, uh, the 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 fabric would be like kind of cut into uh, the the text, and then glued on with like fabric glue, and then um, uh, stitched with with uh, embroidery on 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 top. So. Who does yeah. the stitching? Um, so in the beginning, I I did my own stitching. Yeah. And um and then now uh and and it it kind of like speaks to kind of my my process and and my my thinking is that like. I, I always realize that I'm the center, I'm the subject of my work, and I've like now become removed from it. So I would like cut the 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 the, the things and 
put it together and then send it to a seamstress. Um, and and but I, I so in the beginning, what I did was when I when I when I was when I was putting the stuff together, it was very rough. Like you would see the threads. It was very uh, kind of like gimmicky and and and, and masculine like. And then now I, I work with the seamstress. Ma masculine in this case is in, equal to inept. Is inept. that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so now I, I work with a with a seamstress, and 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 there's a there's a kind of like a a manipulation like, but from instruction. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of like I guess conceptual in in that way. Yeah. Interesting. Don't be shy. <laughs> yes. Hi, my question's for Derek, because um, one of the things you, you mentioned, and I saw a show of yours in Miami that kind of sort of explored similar, this idea of having joy and sort of putting joy in the work. And I, if I remember, I think there was an element of that in that show too. I'm wondering in terms of people's expectations of your work or the way that, because you know people commission you to do things, and I'm wondering, do you ever have strange expectations of your work? Because I mean, even though that's what you say your work kind of works in, and I'm just wondering how other people um, um, may see it. I mean, when I'm making work, I think about like joy and struggle and perseverance and obstacles. And I, I try to think about like the real world. I mean, how I really live, like how we really live. We have joyous moments. We have um, downtime, uptime, you know, we have so many different forms of um, um, or types of experiences that kind of shape who we are. So I think about how can I capture all those different things in a work, and then people can kind of take things from it. As a black person who make you know who makes art, um, that's kind of the story that most people look for um, when they're looking at your work. You know, even though my show at Mad is about more of a celebration of Mr. Hugo, Victor Hugo Green, what people have taken mostly from the exhibition not that it's not in there, is a, tr a trauma of it versus the, the, the plight and the success of this citizen taking upon himself to create this publication, which is my motivation for making the work. People come with their own interests, which is normal, but when you are a black creative, um, things are assumed about your intentions or where you are within the subject of your work. Um, just like the Floater series, I made those works because I realized that there weren't a lot of images of those people, black people on floats online. And also the idea of, 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 of swimming and the history of it, you know, the political relationship to um, all those things. Um, looking at, I started first looking at images of like activists, historical figures, Mar Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and looking at looking for images of them on vacation, which are not as obtainable, attainable when you're looking in Google as you see them protesting. Yeah. But the image of them with their families in the pools in Jamaica, um, Martin Luther King and his family for a jet, um, those images are, if not, is equally important, if not more, than the images of him protesting. The fact that a person like this who've done these things still have, need time to relax. And that's one thing that our generation now don't see as a reflection of, of realness and humanity. And the fact that if you're going to be a person who's going to be involved in social activism, you have to have time of reflection and refuel. And you have to keep a tight-knit 
community with your friends and helping people around you. And it's a balance of different types of things. So in my shows, I try to think about those things in my work and but allow the viewer to have various perspectives of looking at the work and allowing the work to live in the way that they are, you know, their terms. Because once it leaves your studio, I mean, you really can't control it. But I think that if anything, people take away from my exhibitions um, things that they connect with the artist with or that assume that the artist's intentions are. But, but joy, yeah. but joy is just a, a one component of many things in the work. I think. I mean, the the thing that strikes me so much about all, like the the TV work, the swimming work, the sanctuary work, is this complicated mix of trauma and nostalgia as well, um, because there is a very sweet nostalgia around those hats and the cars and whatever, right? I mean, you know, and the idea that one can be nostalgic about a moment that would seem to have no possibility of nostalgia. And with your work as well, like this idea that, that you could, that there is humor to be found and, and, to exploit around a story of rape. And, and it's not, I mean, it's not at the expense of the woman who was raped. It really is at the expense of, of Zuma and thinking about the, the ways that he's doing that, right? Like there's, there's, it's, it's, it, there's, there's such a sort of complication at the root of both the works. You have to cry from laughing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean uh, so there's, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of references that like, become kind of influential um, in, in also like how I think about um, these kind of contents and the subjects and stuff. Um, so one of them is uh, Rolf Ellison's Invisible Man, especially the opening line about like being seen. And I see myself as an invisible kind of like creator in the work. So so like uh, in the in the in the performance or the spectacle of seeing the work, there's an invisible kind of generator of these kind of uh, contents. And then the other one um, um, that like I always kind of reference in terms of these kind of things is uh, is um, uh, I looked at uh, um, Tarantino's uh, uh, Django, and and I looked at these kind of notions of 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 of, of uh, black pain being very very visceral. So so one of the things that I noticed is that like there's there's very little um, evidence of white bodies being violated. Like for example, there's a metaphor um, where uh, the the um, the, the 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 client is meeting up at, at, at a, and then they get shot and uh what happened was you don't see the bullet uh, hit the body you see a horse uh masculine uh, like a very masculine horse and you see just blood so there's a kind of metaphoric response to that and 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 for me like i'm, I'm aware I of these... that i talk about that all the time in the movie yeah, yeah. you see that the yeah. black figures they show exactly how the person how, how, died. yeah there's a visceral <laughs> yeah. kind of response to yeah look at to, the show to, if the black yeah. characters on yeah. the show and people are getting yeah. killed, they'll show exactly the knife going into the head, yeah. the blade yeah. going into the thing, yeah. the white figure. You just hear them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that. I mean, uh, I mean. So, uh, so uh, the, the the kind of the 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 kind of uh, uh, classic that kind of created this uh, uh, um, uh, this metaphoric violence, it, it, and it's quite a, a weird example. It's it's Hitchcock's 
shower scene yeah. where where uh, um, the 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 character is being stabbed, but the the tension is put by by the by the sound, yeah. and then you just see the the the, the blood and, yeah. and and that's it. And 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 so these kind of uh, uh, kind of ways of making uh, metaphors have like kind of been reproduced and 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 and, and become the 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 way of of, of expression. I think of it in terms of how uh, language operates or how uh, a kid um, kind of learns to speak. It, it starts with the word, it starts with uh, putting two words together and then it becomes a sentence. And that's how I kind of uh, like explore the explosion of this creative yeah. Um, field, yeah. Derek, you look like you're ready, to, you're mulling something over. No, no, I'm just listening to what you're saying because I think that when I'm watching stuff and yeah. I say, like, why do you have to show that? Like, yeah. you know, like, you know, yeah. and I'm a person who's really, I like to watch certain things and I'm really into cinema and, you know, but I'm really interested also just in choices. Yeah. You yeah. know, things yeah. that represent um, visual culture that is, it, uh, you can't change. Yeah. I mean, you can't change once people see it. It's Absolutely. like certain things that you Absolutely. see, you see it, you can't unsee it. Like, I mean, so, so, the unseeing is really interesting, yeah. right? Because yeah. that's yeah. what you're con constantly working against. It's, exactly. It's yeah. just a. It's just a like endless accumulation. There's yeah. no yeah. ever yeah. like excavation or throwing things yeah. out. So you right? have I mean, to rationalize with yourself. Like, am I overreacting? Do I am I putting my and, and like you have to, you have to constantly speak to yourself about the structure of representation absolutely i mean in the I, world i mean going back i mean i i watched this like so many times because it was like, it was like such a hype but um uh one of the 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 scenes that i that i really really kind of like uh thought were uh philosophical in in its making was the 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 the, the whipping scene in 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 django yeah. where um um the girl is like tied to a tree and then um, she's like low on the ground, and then you have the guy who's like reading the Bible and pacing, and um, and um, what 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 most people miss about that scene is that there's a, actually a mirror on the right side of of of, of the of the of the uh, kind of tree, so where she's she sees herself as being low, and at the same time sees her tormentor behind. And for me, it's like a the the kind of visual stamping, like 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 that. Um, the, the 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 combination of these elements will be injected into a mind, and and, and kind of like. And so for me, uh, it, it's those kind of like uh, psychological violence that I, that I that I see that I try to kind of work against in in, in the work. That's why, for example, I, I try to avoid using the figure in in, in 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 the works and try to kind of make it as. Um, as a, a, a direct but and as blunt as possible, but also uh, not reproducing the same kind of the, the spectacularization yeah, yeah, of yeah. those sorts so, of so, yeah. so so it's about extracting the the, the formula uh, and not necessarily the the, the, the thing the, the the blueprint of yeah. of power as opposed to reproduce power. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think we have time for one question. One or two, if there are two, two important we, we, ones. So. I hope I'm not asking a naive question, but I've been mulling in my head throughout your presentation, um, Lauren, specifically about this idea of masculinity. Yeah. And I, I just wonder at the end of the day, what do you want me, if there's such a question to be had, to walk away with when I see your work? Um, I, I, I mean, 
gosh, you know, like so, 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 like with with the kind of like I feel like um, the the it's it's so, so um, I I I live in South Africa, which is a a a, a, um, a a a strange kind of combination of progress and regress. Like it's 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 like oh. It's a it's a urban you know, and so uh, one of the one of the first things that I that I that I that I like in 2006 I had my first international trip. It was in Paris, and so so what happened was the the the, the first world was always presented as like this uh, this like know it all space where information is accessible to everyone and uh, it's like you know the everything is at hyper speed. You, you your recordings are made um, amazing and so on. And one of the 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 the, the kind of like slaps in the head uh, in the face for me was to find out how ignorant people are. With <laughs> so 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 there was a, there was a, there was a, there was things that I knew about uh, their culture that like they themselves were blasé to. So so for me and, and that kind of like what, what, I think my response is that 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 it's 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 kind of um, we we live in a in in that hyperdrive kind of. Uh, space where 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 looking at an artwork, um, um, uh, I know that I'm in competition with Facebook. I'm in competition with social media. I'm in competition with the attention span of the viewer. In 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 you know is like five seconds or something like that. I think that's how they calculated it. So for me, it's 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 that I I I try to kind of make these works as portals, um, potentially. Or invitations to kind of alternative ways of thinking, or alternative ideas, or um, so. For example, things fall apart uh, is very much a, 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 a in the literature world. It's almost like a cliche to kind of utilize this, but the everyday soap, Joe soap, it's not. You know, um, I kind of notice, for example, um, that um, information uh, is has become quite a a. a uh, 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 a currency. Um, I mean, if you look at the Cambridge Analytica kind of issue, where uh, the, the profiling of people kind of generates what people are being fed. Do, do you see what I mean? So for me, it's it's about like kind of connecting these things, like Google what things fall apart is, and then you'll find the many uh, kind of gateways into thinking about what things fall apart could mean. So I try not to uh, be didactic. But be invitational to for the viewer. I have I one last question. One, yeah. Hi, I have a question for Derek. <laughs> um, I just wanted to know if you could speak a little bit about something you mentioned—the idea of um, fact, folklore, and fantasy as a yeah. way to construct identity. And I think you said there's an opportunity for like a fantastical identity for. Yeah. Um, Black people or Black Americans. I don't know if that's across diaspora or across people of color, but just I'm curious about that. Well, I think there's something to be gained by um, practicing or at least acknowledging there's certain levels of uh, of those elements and within um, artists who are somehow through blood lineage connected to a place that for the most part, most of us have never been. Um, and to hear friends that we meet who we travel to places to meet, say that we remind them of some people they know from their their their, their country or the continent. Um, 
but also to know that you feel a certain way about yourself, but you're not perceived in that manner. And I think that people of color, as it relates to female um, gender, has that relationship to be a black guy, walk into a space, and realizing that you're a black guy as you walk into a space is probably how women feel when they walk into a space that's a male space. Um, I think that white guys are starting to feel like that now before they felt like that before. But I think that we could talk about the idea of, of difference as a form of progression and not as a form of what's better or worse. The fact that difference actually could be an equalizer. I think it's really important to think about when you think about moving forward as we, you know, as in humanity. And for me, because my, um, my interest in history and knowing the history um, from the continent, but also knowing that as a black American, it would not be authentic for me to speak up about experiences that are not from my perspective. And that because we are extraction from the continent in Brazil, there are you know, people there, Mexico, People are start. I think the millennial generation has started like a really big boost into redefining themselves as Afro wherever they are. That's a really new thing. You know, Mexico, they have Afro-Mexicans who are starting to assume this position, realizing that they never really fit in to that culture, that they had certain aspects of that culture that was very um, particular to this region that they lived in. And now they're starting to realize, you know what, actually I'm African and I'm Mexican. It's okay. I can be both because the people who made them feel like you couldn't be both. So I think that those things are starting to really promote this idea of fact, folklore, and, and fantasy because it's amazing to me to imagine the origin of your, your, who you are as a place of foundation, knowing that people say that everyone came from the continent, but they had very particular areas that African-Americans came from on the continent that, for the most part, there are people who are from those countries who say things like, you look like someone that I know from my country, you know? And that is amazing because as an African-American, we, our basic structure is multicultural yeah. without any type of... Um, infusion of European culture because just coming here, it, we were from so many countries already. We couldn't even communicate with each other because a lot of us spoke different languages. So this idea of multiculturalism existed before we even got here on our way here. So for me, that's fantasy eno enough to think about all these different genetic makeups I have inside my body that make up who I am on top of having the other European ancestry mixed into that. But the fact that Throughout all that travel and all those experiences, I'm still um, predominantly black, as you see me. You know, like when you think about like things that have been been transferred from one place to another place to another place, they usually look very different or seem very different. And even for the black Americans who are fair, that does not take away from the authenticity of who they feel inside through their genetic makeup. So to me that comes with all those ideas of fact and, fit and folklore and fantasy. Like, you feel compelled to stay attached to some level of authenticity that you don't have to be apologetic for. 
it's a it's a it's it's one of the i think uh, uh, ideas that i think for me are uh uh explorative this kind of notion of identity and i think i think for me the 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 the, the for me what what i what i found is the fluidity of 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 blackness or or the fluidity of of identity that's like um is, is is a combination of of uh experiences so for example in in south africa you have um sorry i keep on saying in south africa but um so 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 art historians um uh, are very much um so in 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 the academy uh, there's a, there's an anxiety um with uh, academics because um for a very long time i like how he looked at me when he no, said anxiety <laughs> about <laughs> is that academics have 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 been uh, kind of very uh, much incorporated the idea of 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 separation so um uh, the 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 they they kind of denied the the kind of intermarriage of uh, different tribal people and so on and they would like kind of create these kind of templates of of what people are and 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 but we we've we know that like people like for example as a Sutu person i can understand uh, uh, 11 languages in, in in my country uh and so the the fluidity of identity is is very much at play and i think um it, it's 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 about kind of acknowledging it and, and 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 working with it that that makes things exciting well, well it's it's just interesting because you're both working in contexts very different contexts obviously south africa and the us but contexts in which so much I may this needs I'm to be gonna, a kind of conclusion rather than end. Uh, <laughs> um, the context in which so much time has been spent thinking about what differentiates blackness from whiteness but very little uh, very little exploration has pr pr penetrated white culture around the complexity of blackness so maybe on that we'll just leave it but thank you so much this was so interesting Thank you so much to all three of you for, uh, I think, an extraordinary conversation this was. Uh, I just wanted to say that the next event of Forum for today is in 15 or 18 minutes or something like that. It will start uh, at 6 p.m. sharp, right outside the building, right across from the main entrance. And it's the performance by Nick Kay, which will start outside and then move around inside. And after that, we start again tomorrow at 3.30. Thank you for coming. <laughs>